Welcome back to the Hangar Podcast. Good gosh, is it great to be alive and here with you two gentlemen. Those two gentlemen, of course, being Ben Derrick and last and usually not least, <laughs> Mo Hance. Wow. Thank you, Chase. It's good to be here. <laughs> I'd like to thank the Academy. <laughs> I don't know how you follow that intro. I was trying to like figure out what he was going to where's he, say. Where's he going? <laughs> hey, we took a break, by the way. Did we? Yeah, we uh, we celebrated freedom and didn't and <laughs> exercise that freedom by not <laughs> releasing a podcast. God bless America. We're not recording. <laughs> we're not working this week. at all. <laughs> well, we actually did quite the opposite. We were really busting our tails for for different reasons and didn't have a chance to sit down. But that's okay. That's okay. We did get a lot, a lot of requests and information and texts and phone calls like why was this episode not released and i had to do a lot of pr for the hangar this past week as i'm sure you guys did as well but we're back we're back so everybody can calm down is he being serious did you i don't know i couldn't figure it out because i didn't get one text did you actually have a lot of people ask (laughs) no not not at all not at all oh makes you wonder if anybody listens (laughs) (laughs) well we're listening we're listening so how was your fourth, by the way? Are you guys the kind of guys that do a lot of stuff on the fourth? I always get this question before the holiday. Hey, what are your plans for the fourth? And I feel like a total schmo because I'm like, nothing. No, I'll <laughs> let you go first. Well, Ben was there where I was. So he kind of knows uh, what I did. Yeah, true. We did end up at the same place. Yeah. yeah but I, I didn't know if you had other plans otherwise. No, I watched a documentary. Oh, you told me about this. We can't go there. Yeah. Whoa. So good. It's what? good. It's good. Well, I watched a couple. I think that day was about uh, Nikola Tesla. No, no, no. Oh, no. That was the one about the Ripper, Jack the Ripper. Jack the oh, Ripper. Yeah, yeah, it was good. So good. Where is it on Netflix? Uh, History Channel. I think Mo claims that he's related to both guys somehow, right? No. What? Oh. Me? No. Come on. <laughs> both. No, no. The claim was both guys are one guy and that they know who he is. Yeah, I just refuse to watch this kind of stuff because it scrambles my brain, and I walk around literally in paranoia for about three weeks. It's no, just not worth the information. That happens to me too. Yeah, I couldn't I watch. Just, uh, I couldn't watch one of them because it was more recent. But back in the eighteen hundreds, that's no big deal. So, are Chase, are you a documentary guy? We're off the fourth now. Let's just trade topics. Oh shoot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You missed. Yeah. Fine. Uh, yeah. For the most part. Wait. Yeah. We didn't see you on the. Where were you on the fourth, good sir? Okay. So my fourth was long. Mm, same same time. Maybe there's as, something there. I don't it know. was the same same time as everybody else's fourth. But yes. please continue. Okay, so first off, there is a secret group with a secret name that met for lunch that day that I uh, am actually a part of. Ben, I think you know about it, but I'm not supposed to say it on okay. the air. Yeah, um, secret group with a secret name. I probably do. Yeah. The Illuminati. Well, it's a, it's the Sigma Chi alumni chapter. <laughs> Are you part of the, what is it, Skull and Bone Society? I don't even know what that is. That's their standard answer if they are. (laughs) Okay, so. Either that or Fight Club. Either way. Anyway, yes. So, did lunch and swam for about four hours, which, if you guys didn't know, uh, swimming is tiring. You didn't know that as a kid, but as an adult, it's it's hard. Yeah. All day at the pool, that's hard. I agree. Yeah. So, I was tired. And then I went to Florence, which is a town south of us, to Empire Trucks. It's their freight liner selling company. 
I don't know. That's probably the proper way to say it. Um, and they had hamburgers, hot dogs, and a fireworks show that lasted for 45 minutes. Is this all a result of being a part of a secret organization? No, no. I, I, no this, this is... That was a part of being in a relationship. The first part was the cooler thing where I'm a secret society. Okay, the yeah. second part. That, you dropped the cooler part first, but yeah, I'm equally I, impressed that you end up at a, at a freight sales company watching their fireworks show. On a guest list, by the way. We're talking Man. about this, but what about the fact that you're part of a secret society? <laughs> Why are we not there? Mo, it's every man's right to be a part of whatever he wants. I mean, like I'm, I'm respecting his privacy. I give him the, I give him the respect due for being a part of it. And, uh, I'm just Are you a part be. of a secret society, Ben? Maybe perhaps. I need to be a part of a secret. Perhaps, uh, perhaps. Can might this be. be a secret society? The three of us. Yeah, I hear. Well, by... I mean, if no one's listening, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of no one listening, uh, I love I love catching up with you guys, just you know, publicly for the world. But we probably should get into our <laughs> topic for the week. So, wait. Speaking of topics, Ben, what is ours? Top. I'll just think of one right now. How about that? All right. No, this is actually something I've been thinking about for a long time, and I've kind of floated this theory out to the group of men uh, that meet in my garage. Not a secret society, by the way. Everyone's welcome, Um, if you're a male and not confused about that fact. (laughs) Um, I floated this idea out there for the guys, and some of them agree with me and some of them disagree with me, and that's why I want to bring this up because I feel like sometimes on this podcast we just agree with each other too much. And uh, I know in real life we don't agree with each other on everything, so I want to bring this up. I feel like, here's the big thing, I feel like that if you were to take away almost all of the Bible, but only leave people with three stories, leave men with three stories, that they would have everything they would need to know, essentially, to live a Jesus life, to live as a godly man. Three stories. So what I'm proposing in that statement is that you could throw out probably 90 plus percent of the bible and still live as a godly man sounds like a george carlin move the comedian Mm. yeah well i I use no profanity (laughs) on air (laughs) (laughs) easy trigger yeah yeah so uh what do you mean by that like well george carlin if you don't know took the ten commandments got rid of eight of them and boiled it down to two Right, yeah. And Jesus Jesus was a reductionist, and you know, what yeah. do we need to do to live a correct life? He was like, all the commandments boil down to this. Didn't Jesus do the same thing as George Carlin? Yeah. Almost literally. Yeah. 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 But he did it with 300 of them. And <laughs> Jesus Jesus was first. We should probably point that out. Uh, yeah, George yeah. Carlin so did what? Chronologically, yes. Jesus came so first. So he stole, George Carlin stole Jesus' material. Stole, yep. Stole, stole the, yeah. Hey, next episode, remind me we should intro with comedians and cars getting coffee. Apparently the show's dying, by the way. That's what I keep hearing. Who cares? Back to the topic. Okay. Three stories. If you just shared three stories with a man, then he would have everything he needs to know to live a masculine journey. So what I'd like to discuss and, and, and fight about just for a little bit are the guy. you know, we've got some Bible-believing people that listen to us, and uh, they tend to get very, very upset when you start doing things like this. I just want to see if you guys are okay with that before we reveal what these stories would be. Well, let's go for it. We'll just see what I happens. don't know. I I, I I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying to figure it out still. If I agree with you. Well, what I'm trying to do though is force you into agreement or disagreement right out of the gate because if you say, "Well, it depends on the stories," then you're actually agreeing with me. No, because well, it. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that you can. 
you're going to have to try to convince me. So as I guess as of right now, I would say no, I don't agree with you. But it's not because you have a problem with throwing some of the Bible out. Um, maybe not. No, yeah. I'll, no, it's not because I don't have because I have a problem with throwing some of it out. To use your terms. Yeah, you, there's an eye roll there that without people couldn't see of, on radio. Without, uh, without having them, yes. are there certain ones that if, say, they were to have disappeared from the face of the earth, would we be able to? Are there some? Yeah, I guess. I could agree with that. Yeah, well, and I don't just mean other stories. I'm saying just let's just take this all the way to the conclusion here at the, at the beginning. If you were to be stranded somewhere, some location, remote location, where you would not make contact with people who could provide this for you, it doesn't mean that these other portions of the Bible aren't valuable and don't have life lessons. I mean, good grief. I've I've dedicated my life to interpreting the Bible both privately and publicly, so I obviously value all of it. Mm. But as I've studied it, I think that these three stories are essential, and the other stories are not as essential. And I think the reason I'm putting this out here for us to discuss on the Hangar podcast, uh, a challenge that you gave us a couple of weeks ago, you know, maybe we should dig into this just a little bit more, a little bit more publicly. Okay, so let's do that. I think if we get down to these three stories, we'll have everything we need to know. Most men, I think, are intimidated trying to figure out the entire Bible. And they're worried that they don't know where the address of the story is or the address of the verse is or the context of the book of Philippians or if Paul was in jail or shipwrecked or Saul or Paul, all these things that just intimidate guys. But if we were to adopt, quite frankly, a Jewish posture and tell each other stories, these stories would have such rich depth and meaning that they would give us everything we need to know. All right, I need a clarification. Go. Are we talking about people who are currently followers of Jesus? No. No. Okay. So you then the, a, then the stories will have to depend. I think I don't think you can limit it to three. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So maybe you're making a distinguisher there of well, if with just these three stories, people cannot get into a relationship with Jesus. But I might differ. I might differ there. Okay. So let's talk about. We can't get in depth here. We're going to spend the next couple of weeks really breaking these stories down. If they're that valuable, it would take probably a couple episodes per story. But we just don't do things that way because it would push our intelligence. So <laughs> let's talk about these three. The, my first story uh, would be the creation story, okay, which would go all the way through what's termed as the fall, where man fell out of innocence and perfect relationship with God. My second story would be the temptation of Jesus Christ in the wilderness, post-baptism, pre-public ministry. The third story would be the story Jesus told, so it would be his teaching on the prodigal son. Okay. That's it. Those are all three. Yeah. I think you're—I don't think those three would work. Not Yeah, especially if you're doing, like, someone who's not a Jesus. I think your distinguisher is very important here, Mo. I agree. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so you say there's a there's a hole in my theory. Uh, yeah. Unless, like I said, unless it's, you're talking to somebody who's already a, a follower of Jesus, I think that there are some pretty um, important, two more specific, important, critical, necessary um, pieces of knowledge that one must have in order to be a follower of Jesus. Um. 
Okay, so that may be where our differing point is. I said to to live a masculine journey, and then obviously add to the addendum a Jesus follower because I kind of I make those two things synonymous. Well, they are. I mean, we've we've done that from the very beginning, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. That we believe and we uh, define our um, our picture of masculinity based off of who Jesus is. Yeah, and so if. It, what we would also say, and I think we may have also said it on the podcast, is that as Jesus followers, we are at an advantage to the ability to live out the life that is depicted by Jesus. Yep. As somebody who doesn't follow Jesus, doesn't have the ability because he doesn't have the power given by the Holy Spirit, which comes after being getting into a relationship and accepting the grace and all that stuff with Jesus. So... Um, I don't think that Christ-likeness or godliness can come as a result of not being in a relationship with Jesus. Okay. So I hear you making the case that, and I'm just stabbing in the dark here, but we've left out the story of, of Holy Week and the crucifixion and all that. Is, that. is that one that you wouldn't say need to be included? I would say that the resurrection story um, and then the incarnation. So, well, incarnation, then resurrection. I mean, there has to be a who is Jesus Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what I believe. Even though, so I don't know. This is getting a little tricky because now you start getting like deeper and theological and stuff like that. But I think that's great. I we- think that your that part of your case can be made through the creation story. Um, for because I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I believe that Jesus by name. Because Abraham, it was, it was, it's the Bible teaches that Abraham was considered righteous because he was, it was by faith in God. Um, and you know, you know, you got to start putting the two together Jesus and God. You yeah. Know, Jesus was the manifestation, the incarnation of the Holy God, right? Yes. Well, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you start putting those pieces together, but would someone on a desert island with only those three stories be able to put those pieces together without knowing, um, without knowing, who Jesus was or is. Um, that's a good question. That's hard. That's a hard case to make yes. for myself. It is. I think you're bringing up this is something that would naturally happen as you're discussing these stories. And I think it's beautiful that maybe I'm a thousand percent wrong, but that's that's all right. At least it's getting us somewhere. And I think that's something I would want to show the hangar men that are listening to this podcast, stepping out there, forming an opinion and throwing that out there. Something that I've read that a lot of uh, men in former generations were very comfortable with, and that's putting something out there in public, then growing in their knowledge and understanding around that and changing their mind. Current society has put us in a box and said, whatever you say publicly, you must always believe. And let's just take the area of politics. They'll pull something out from 40, 50 years ago that somebody said and said, no, this is who you really are. And I've noticed that men on this stage politically uh, most currently have said, that's who I was 30 years ago. I'm a different man now. And people need to be able to accept that, right? And you should be 30 years later. You should be, right. But that's not what we believe now. We're like, oh, man, this guy said, look at this YouTube video. This guy, when he was in his 20s saying this thing, Mm -hmm. he's obviously still that guy. Well, I may be wrong about this, but we're trying to fail forward, okay? So if we're looking at – let's just take this brief story. Uh, We'll talk about it in detail in another episode. But let's take the brief story of the temptation of Jesus in the the wilderness, starting with the baptism where God says, this is my son. I'm very pleased with him. 
Okay. Then he gets to the temptation. Well, okay, we understand, okay, Jesus is God's son. We get that. And now, now Jesus has an enemy. But why is this guy so against Jesus? Well, if you try to reach outside of those stories, you don't really have much information to, to cling to there. Right, we would fill that in if somebody asked us that question. Oh, okay. Well, you don't know about the enemy, and but you do know about the enemy because the enemy was in the garden, right. and the enemy in the garden, the same enemy in the garden, shows up again in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. So obviously, this enemy is not um, human <laughs> because right. he wouldn't still be around. Uh, so I think it's surprisingly, these stories do give us a pretty large picture of what's actually going on but i i do agree if there isn't the sacrifice of jesus you don't get to the sacrifice of jesus then you get yourself in some to some trouble so maybe we need to add at least um at least, at least the, the death and resurrection of christ yeah i think um i mean you're making a pretty good case like i'm starting to think about it i'm like mm, maybe there is something there because when you first said it you didn't add or include or it wasn't specified that you included the baptism of Jesus where God does identify him as his son. Um, now, the only hole that there is in that theory that I can see, not the only one, but I mean, remember, I didn't think about all this either. I haven't gone over them and read them. You know, you've had a little more time to think about it. So this is kind of blink response. But sure. um, is that now you turn into almost a Gnostic kind of monotheistic view of who God is based off of the, the the separation between father and son without having all the rest of his teachings to put together the fact that he and the father are one and that he is actually uh, the perfect representation of, G, of, of God, uh, the father. Um, so not that, a, not that I'm saying like a Trinitarian view of Christianity is absolutely, oh, man, I got to be careful. Is no, abs- no, don't be careful. It's absolutely necessary yes. uh, for salvation. Um, that I believe that general revelation and to be able to come to the conclusion based off of the things that God has put into the world, that there is one God, one creator to be worshipped and, and things like that. I believe that that exists. Um, and even mythology leads to some of the answers to fill that in, if you're willing to take a look at it and think uh, clearly and critically about them. Um in light of creation, and if you had the creation story too, uh, I just feel like that would be the only danger. The danger of having that story in writing and the creation story in writing, thinking of some of the words that are used in some of the text, you could come up with a monotheistic view of who God is instead of a... um, Wait... Monotheistic. Did I use the wrong word? I just drew a blank. No, no, monotheism is... Single God. Single God. No, I'm sorry. So, uh, polytheistic. Sorry, that's what I've been trying to say. A, a, a view that there are more than one gods. Yeah. That's where I got confused. All right. Um, so instead me, of a monotheistic view. Let me interrupt you just real quickly, just to, just the back and forth, okay? Because through this back and forth, I'm also trying to make a point. Yeah. You look into the creation story, and it's very clear right there in the beginning, let us create man in our own image right. if these are the only stories i've got i'm going to dig into these stories sure i'm going to say okay who who's us and who's our i'm not real sure the story doesn't tell me that all i know is that god's in the garden there's not a us or our there's one there's one mm-hmm. dude one guy however you want to figure it out he's god he's there then you get to the the temptation of jesus 
and you see, oh, okay, so now there's now there's two good guys. And then we have this scene like the spirit is there in that story too, in the baptism. Mm-hmm. So the spirit is there. Well, now maybe I have some foundation for who this R is. If these R things are eternal, then that's what was present back at the back at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to do with this with this back and forth, and this is something I've been challenging men inside of our context for probably two months now. And we've even discussed this a little on this podcast. I think as men, we have become very comfortable thinking at an extremely surface level about everything in our life. And I think that's something that's happened currently that that hasn't been going on for a really long time. We've deceived ourselves in thinking as we look back over history, these were very one-dimensional men. You know, I mean, we see... Uh, George Washington is the guy that started the deal. You know, we see Napoleon as a short, angry guy. We see uh, Abraham Lincoln as a dude that was just vehemently against slavery. And uh, but as you go and read about these, that's why their biographies on all these guys. You look at Churchill, you're like, oh, it's just kind of a crotchety old man. But you go back and read about his life story. There's a, a lot different stuff there. Uh, what's the guy's name? Me Taxus, Eric Me Taxus. Uh, as an author, he digs into a lot of these guys. And as you look at their life, they're so multidimensional. They showed growth and progress. And one thing they were really good at is developing in their ideas, developing in their plans for their life. And it wasn't just this singular thing that they're known for. But even more than that, as guys, we say, well, I just kind of think this way. This is the way I think. And especially in our context in the South, you know, in, in the southern United States, well, I'm just this kind of guy. You know, I'm just a southerner as a male, whatever that means. I got a Yeti and I got a gun and all those things we talk about all the time, right? So I'm trying to get us to a place inside of the hangar because here's the here's the thing that I'm nervous about now more than I've ever been nervous about is that we will fall into this kind of F you kind of attitude towards the world, towards culture, towards other men. We've got our own way of, of designing ourselves. These are the things that are important to us. When things like that, when things like this go that way, very dangerous things happen. So we have to have something that holds us grounded and centered. And I think we need to be able to think critically. We did a couple of episodes on this, not just thinking critically about our own life story, but about how God desires for us to live our lives. So being able to go back and forth over an idea like this is something that a hanger man should be able to do at a breakfast. Mm. But in order to do this, we ha- I believe we are in such a place right now in our world that the three of us have to model this behind a microphone to say, I have this idea, I disagree with you, to start using words like Trinitarian and those sorts of things to bring them into the conversation. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think just in some of the conversations I've had, it is very, and I've thought about this for a while, um, you know, the, the faith, uh, which is somewhat of a de- deterrent towards other people who are, who are uh, investigating the faith, the Christian faith specifically, it's just very, uh, and it's most um, fortunately visu- visible and most popular formats. It's very like superficial. Unfortunately, Surf- yes, unfortunately, right. Yeah. So s- surface level, um, there ha- there is the beauty of the simplicity of the gospel message of the good news, um, but there is when we. S- it's a it's God. We're talking about an eternal being that created even our ability to reason. So our reasoning can't reason the existence of a being that created our limited ability to reason in the first place, right? 
So well like said, yeah. we don't have uh, we don't have the faculties to be able to understand everything that is God, but we do have maybe a responsibility to investigate as deeply as we can the character, nature, and understanding of who God is. I mean, that's like the most important answer that anyone can ever to the to the most important question that anyone has ever asked in the history of humanity. It's the question of God. So could we evolve this proposal I'm making to say that those three stories would tell us everything we need to know about who God is? Ooh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think we could. Yeah? I think we could. I, think, yeah. I mean, again, I think it'll it'll take the next few episodes where we go a little deeper. Um, but I'm, I'm more willing to accept that statement as a plausible argument. Mm-hmm based off of some of the stuff that you've said so far, um, being able to reason through and think through those 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 things with the little pieces of the stories that we have. Um, so I, I think, I don't know, I think I'd be, I'd be fun to find out. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about just this kind of um, versus idea, because I think we have a lot of this going on in our culture too. We have, what I'm proposing are the, these are stories, Okay, but a lot of people who follow the Jesus way are less interested in stories than they are directives. Who am I supposed to love? Who am I supposed to stand against? What you know, they're just these directives in life. Give me this soundbite. But as I look through the pages of the Bible, and that's why I pick these three things, God tends to communicate the most fundamental principles about who he is and how we should live through story. Could you guys agree with that? Oh yeah. So I think we should explain, though, because a lot of guys are looking for, just tell me what to do. And that's a real barrier. I'm not making fun of guys. In fact, sometimes I'm one of those guys. I've been in a situation in my life that's been a little bit overwhelming over the past maybe two, two and a half weeks. Not not too long, but long enough for me to realize I don't have the faith that I think I have, mm. <laughs> you know, which is really a difficult realization to get into. And when I got into that situation where my anxiety started building, I was just talking to God saying, just, t- just tell me what to do. Just give me, don't give me a story. Give me a soundbite. Like give me A, B, C, and that's what I want to do here. I think it's a natural tendency, but then we're asking men to approach the biblical narrative, the story of the Bible. We're asking them to approach the story and say, what do you think that means? And I think a lot of guys sit around scratching their heads like, why can't you just tell me what to do? That's why I'm sitting in your garage. You tell me what it means. Yeah, you tell me what it means. (laughs) So, you know, what what does it show us about God? Maybe we could wrap this episode up by answering this question briefly. What does it show us about God that he chose to communicate to his children predominantly in story? I think he knows us. I don't want to. I don't want to just. You want to. I don't want to just jump in there, Chase. I know you've got a lot of really good things to say, but um, I think he knows, and he's. I mean, he designed us. I don't think he knows us. He does know us, and he. he, he oh, okay. By the way, we would know that if we just examine the story of creation. So there's a check for my side of the argument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so he knows the way we think, and he knows that stories. Isn't it cool though? Like, isn't it cool that he created this that that way where stories stick? I mean, stories are memorable, and um, and they're easily they're easily duplicated. So, like to tell to hear a good story that sticks in your mind, it's easier to spread spread that story than it is to spread um, a directive. Like the story will last a lot longer in the minds of men generationally 
than a a directive. A directive will eventually change based off of, in my opinion, based off of the emotional, um, the emotional and intellectual fluctuation between generations of people and a story stays the same. I love it. I love that point. I think another thing is I'm going to brag on mine and actually most generation right here as well is like, I think, (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, I think millennials have done a good job of, um, of unlocking the power of stories mainly because we spend so much time asking why, like, why, why am I supposed to do this? Why, why are you telling me to vote Republican? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if I'm, I'm going to vote for Trump, why should I vote for Trump? If I'm going to oh, vote no, for don't, con- don't concern or... yourself with that. Just go vote. <laughs> <laughs> it's your God-given right. You should go vote. It's your right. Wait, why? <laughs> but yeah, anyway, not to start that that could stir up a lot of stuff. But I I, I think you're a millennial in this way too, big. Because you ask why all the freaking time in a healthy way. I don't want to appear inept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I I just think that within itself. It's, kind of tags along with what you're saying on like we're built for stories that's just that's just how we learn best i think there's other ways to learn like you could you could do the checklist of the bible and live a pretty decent life but you wouldn't there wouldn't be any any growth i don't think it'd just be you following a grocery list of commands and that that sounds awful well the beauty the beautiful thing about a story also is that even if some of the details change a little bit, the meaning behind the story doesn't. Right. But a directive, if it's something that's precise, any variation, any, any variant from the original creates a whole new meaning. So yes. you, can, you can tell a story and fudge a detail here and there and still have the same impact. But you can't do that with the directive. And, and within the gospel itself, like Jesus spent most of his teaching time telling like stories and then the one time they asked for a directive he's like all right here's two and that's all you get yeah and they were really tough ones <laughs> yeah i bet the guy who asked that was like shoot why didn't we just stay with the story you know yeah but jesus takes these these things like love your neighbor he tells a story around them and you know could we repeat love your neighbor yeah but how does that work out the way the story plays out shows us how that directive works out I love the point that y'all are making is that I think we've gone through, I don't know how to talk generationally. I think, I think more in decades and I haven't lived a lot of those decades, but I've heard about a lot of them. So if you take maybe from the fifties in America, 50s, 60s, 70s, eighties, you had a lot of directives being thrown out by the Jesus following community. This is where we'll shop. This is what we'll buy. This is what we'll listen to. This is how we'll dress. This is what the Bible says. Boom, 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 boom. And it got us in a pretty, it, it got us into a deficit. So the story has come back. And what we love about story is that you don't have to be a Jesus follower to appreciate story. And I like what you're saying, Mo, also, is that a story sticks. We remember stories. So if you were, if you were to meet me and I were the correct age and I, and I were to say, man, you know what's crazy? I was with my lacrosse team and we, were, we took a flight and we ended up crashing in the mountains. And I don't like to talk about it much, but we had to resort to cannibalism. <laughs> You'd be like, wait a minute. I know that story. I've heard that story before. You're like, I know what's even crazier is that uh, when I was younger, I had this uncle that had lived like a lot of adventurous stuff, but I kind of stayed in my hometown and I lived actually, it was one of those underground houses. 
but I had an old friend, really long gray beard. And he asked me like, would I go do something for him outside of my hometown? You'd mm-hmm. be like, wait a minute. Frodo? I think I've heard this story before. This is essentially the office scene right now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, which, by the way, a, a, a local pastor here at one time in the town, a town next to ours, actually did that with books he was reading. He told those stories in church as if he lived them. Not movies, but from books. Mm. Well, that was um, safe. Yeah. Nobody reads them. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they read they read these books because they were sold at Lifeway. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah. But um, well, hey, was, we're close was, to wrapping. He was way. claiming to be Max Lucado. <laughs> oh, ouch. Um, but at any rate, we recognize stories. I think it shows how our creator wired us. The very fact that the beginning starts with a story. It's it's not facts. It is a story. And we and we spent so many decades fighting over the facts. But, but it is a story. I think it shows, and this will maybe be my, my last statement here, I think it shows God's care for us in that a story calls us to something greater. Um, directives force us to measure ourselves against them as either successes or failures. And God says, I'll give them a story so that they can find themselves in that story. And when they find themselves in that story, they'll actually be finding me because I'm there with them. All of these stories, God has a has a presence there, either in the form of Jesus or God Himself. So, I don't know. I just think it's worth investing over the next investigating over the next few weeks. Even if the men who are listening and you both, you men, disagree m- with me at the end of all this, at least we will have really taken a dive into these three stories that are so pivotal for the life of a man. So, I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm.